Hi. Good morning. It's uh, good to be with you. Um, I'm going to sit down here this morning um, because I don't feel that I've got to preach for you. Um, But I just want to read from the scriptures and us to share communion together. And part of the reason why I'm sat down here and not standing behind a lectern and preaching and teaching, so to speak, is because I want this to be much more intimate. I want us to recognise the presence of God and sometimes changing the mode of how we do something helps us do that. It also recognises the position we find ourselves in before God. We've just been through the Ephesians series and what we find is that we are seated in heavenly places. We're no longer working but actually our position in Christ is one of being seated, where the work is finished. We're no longer striving. We're at rest. And so I thought about maybe putting a chair on the stage, but that might look a bit weird. And so I thought, you know what, I'll just perch himself on the edge because that's just as easy. And so what I want to do is read through some scriptures that really point to the work of what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. Today we're looking uh, in continuing the series in John of the I Ams. And uh, the I Am we're looking at in John 6 is I am the bread of life. And it's no better time than when you're reading that than to get hold of communion and enjoy that together. If you've got your Bibles with you, then um, I'll let you know where we're going to travel as we go. But we're going to start off in... John 6, and we're going to start off in verse uh, 50. Verse 50, 51. And John records Jesus saying this about himself. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give... For the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst them, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me, apples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offence at this? Then what if you were to see the son of man ascending to where he was before. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who don't believe, for he knew those that were amongst them that did not believe. And he said this so they might understand what was going to happen. At that point, lots of people just walk away. 
says, saying is too hard for us to understand. And the disciples, when challenged by Jesus saying, are you going to go away as well? Answer, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's a really hard saying that Jesus presents to the community and they can't get their heads around it. What earth are you talking about? We're going to eat your flesh. We're going to drink your blood. This is, this is really weird. This is offensive. We can't get hold of what this means. Let's dive back into the Old Testament for a moment, into Isaiah and Isaiah, excuse me, chapter 55. This is where Isaiah's prophesying about the compassion of the Lord. He says this from verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labour for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Here we have Isaiah prophesying about the purchase of the ultimate bread of life that we cannot buy ourselves, but that we can receive. And that in this bread of life, there is a covenant, there is a promise, a contract agreement that God presents to us through his son, a covenant promise, an everlasting covenant that our souls may live. If we jump back a little bit further into Psalm 103, we get another picture of what God is saying to us about this work of redemption, this work of God making whole and renewing what has been lost. David writes this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquity and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed, he made, his known, made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. 
who recognise who he is in awe and glory. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Our Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is for us, not against us. He reaches out his hands to make us whole. He pushes our sin afar from us as the east is from the west. And so we now find ourselves in Christ, seated at rest, no striving, no effort of our own to be righteous in any way. Because of Jesus, we find ourselves at peace. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And this is Isaiah speaking of Jesus speaking of what he's going to do for us. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. It's a profound truth that in Christ, all of our sin, all of our wrongdoing has been laid upon him. And now it no longer lays on us. If we jump forward to Galatians 2, verse 20, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he says this I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And so here we find ourselves before the throne of grace where God has done it all, absolutely. There's nothing, not a thing that we can add to the work of Christ on the cross for our behalf. Absolutely nothing. And so we find ourselves permanently inactive in our salvation. We're grace recipients 
receiving what we haven't earned, a free gift of grace through Christ, where we now live because he died and rose again. It is this foundation, this seated with Christ in heavenly places, that is the root and the core of who we are as a people. As we approach the the bread and the wine in our little pots, it's when Jesus says, if you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you will live. When we participate in his sacrifice for us, in the giving of his body for us, recognising that we were in need of a saviour, that he paid the price for it all, his righteousness given to us, then we have life because we recognise it's not of ourselves, it's of him. And so that exchange brings life and wholeness to us by the Spirit of God. And as we drink the wine, as we drink his blood, we receive that wholeness, that life sacrifice that he gave, that pouring out of his life that we might live. So our sin and our shame and our guilt is eradicated by the work of Christ at the cross. And so Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Because he's my identity now before the throne of God. When God sees me, he sees me utterly in his son. And so I'm righteous before almighty God. Not by anything I've done, but because of Jesus. And therein lies absolute freedom. Absolute freedom. In Hebrews 9, verse 22 The writer says this, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So we now have this in verse 10, sorry, chapter 10, verse verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's you and me. That's us in Christ, being perfected by him. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. For where there is forgiveness of these, there's no longer any offering for sin. As we eat the wafer and drink the wine, I want you to ask yourself the question, do I still offer offerings for sin? Do I punish myself or seek my behaviour in life to try and earn salvation? Do I in any way seek to add to the cross of Christ for my own holiness, 
for my own righteousness. Because the scriptures make it clear. There's nothing we can add. It's a free gift of grace through Christ. Nothing's added at all. So let's take the bread together. Jesus, when he was with the disciples at the Passover, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Let's take it together and eat. Lord Jesus, we partake in your broken body on the cross. You said, this is my body given for you. And so we eat it today, recognising that in your body on that cross, you bore our sin, our shame, all our iniquities. And in your holiness, you cast them as far from us as the east is from the west. You removed them from us in that moment. And there's nothing we can add to your work on the cross. Absolutely nothing. And as we find ourselves in you, Lord Jesus, we seated in heavenly places because of this outrageous act of love. So the Holy Spirit, I ask that you come, solidify in your people an understanding that we are made pure, that we are cleansed, that we are made whole, that we are forgiven and no further sacrifice is needed because you paid it all for us. And Jesus took the wine and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. We drink together. From Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us, through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's pray as we finish. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we find ourselves passively receiving your salvation. Passive in such a way that we add nothing to it. That your completed work on the cross means that we have your righteousness and can now approach the throne of grace with confidence. You died in our place so that your holiness is ours, that we might walk into your presence. For we know that no man may see God and live. 
No offence can stand before a holy God without judgment. But we now stand before you in closeness, in intimacy as a family before your throne of grace and we come in confidence to you today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done for us that we might now be in this place. We thank you that we are seated with you. We thank you that you gave your whole self for us. By your spirit, I ask, come move amongst your body. Come strengthen and heal. Come let your people hear your voice above any other. Come restore and renew. May your work on the cross be fulfilled in your body. We ask you for health and healing in our body in our minds, in our emotions, in our relationships. We ask you, Lord Jesus, for all that you bought at the cross, all that you paid for. We ask that that would be birthed again and again in your body here in this community. See the fruitfulness of your labour in us and amongst us for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen.